Chai there. Welcome to Cream and Sugar. We have a super special treat for y'all. Allie, do you remember that part of the Tea Party episode where we had my dad as a guest? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> so we actually have the whole conversation for you to listen to. Neat. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> Bonus content. Hiya. Hiya. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Or should I say, how are you grueling? Very good. You could also start with chai there. <laughs> chai there? How are you grueling? <laughs> okay, you will be uh, Mr. Jeff. Mr. Jeff, that would be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Good morning, Allie. How are good you Good morning. I'm brewing good. How are you brewing? <laughs> I'm brewing very well, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to, like, hold my one headphone up to my ear so I can still hear myself on the other end. <laughs> <laughs> it looks very silly, and I like it. Well, that's the beauty of uh, doing a podcast is you don't care how you look. You could do it in sweats. You could do it any way you want. Neither one of us is wearing a bra. It's a lazy kind of day. Well, I literally awesome. did my makeup just for us. Totally <laughs> brought this awesome. We're we're just vibing over here. We're tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all good. So all right. y'all had a good uh, a good uh, Friday night and uh, recovering on uh, Saturday morning with some uh, I hear scones. Yeah, <laughs> but we're having scones because we're actually having a traditional tea party. Well, tell me about the tea party. Who's coming? What are you wearing? What's what's going to be the uh, attire? Um, well, I am wearing Walt Disney World shorts, a bead necklace and matching bee eyeshadow, and it's going to be me and Julia and Chadwick and Toulouse. Well, that sounds pretty formal. It is. It's quite an affair. It is. I'm, I've even put on joggers and an oversized t-shirt and a matching bee necklace. And monkey headphones. Oh, yeah, and monkey headphones that say, what do they say? Be good tomorrow. There we go. You don't have to be good today. That's right. Right? That's the point. Be good tomorrow. Yep. Be good tomorrow. You have a little uh, bow tie with an elastic that you can put around uh, Toulouse's neck in place of his missing collar. No, but Chadwick's name tag is a bow tie. Okay. That works. (laughs) (laughs) I got way more excited for that than I really probably needed to. No, that was adorable. You were just like, ha ah. <laughs> So, um, did, let's see, did Allie get a copy of what I sent you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Did uh, either of y'all get a chance to look over that or go to the actual uh, website? Uh, I... Uh, sent the copies of the pictures. We both glanced at the instructions and a little bit of the, the ingredients so that we at least had them, but we decided that our, our resident expert would probably do a better job at explaining it because uh, I've never made scones and it seems pretty complicated. It's actually pretty simple. It's, it's just a quick bread and uh, 
Okay, that looks cool. Allie has her phone uh, holding to her head from her headphones. Like it, she made it a headset. That's really impressive. Well, I did this because we are about to get information from the expert and I need to take notes because my memory is horrible. Um, before we get too far into it, I have a couple questions for you. Sure. So I figured, well, maybe we should actually introduce you. You're not just some guy making scones. Uh, this is my dad, Jeff, Mr. Jeff, if you will. Uh, dad, how long have you been baking for? Um, when I was very small, I used to help my grandmother in the kitchen. So, uh, grandmother's house which is actually where i'm living now which is where i grew up <laughs> which is where i grew up always smelled like wonderful yeast rolls every time we came she made these absolutely heavenly bites of cloud um they're basically parker house yeast rolls it's just a small white dinner roll and i used to like to help her make those but uh, that was my earliest I would say baking experience, but you know, as a kid growing up, you know, I could do really complicated things like cinnamon toast in the uh, in the broiler and things like. Okay, that. but those were really good. So I've enjoyed baking since I was probably in first grade, and I used to always uh, like to help. And uh, both mom and I enjoy cooking and cooking for friends, so it's always been part of our life. I love that. That's such a good answer. I am now building this, like, perspective of your family as Mr. Jeff being a little first grader, whipping out a bunch of complicated stuff from the oven. And meanwhile, little Julia's going to middle school with her briefcase. (laughs) (laughs) We have a very complicated uh, childhood going on. (laughs) Dad has a little chef hat. I have a little briefcase. (laughs) You guys are just tiny adults. Um. What do you do regularly? Are you regularly a baker? Uh, Not a regular baker. I'm a hobby baker. So half of our kitchen is is devoted to uh, mom's cooktop and where she likes to work. And then there's half of our kitchen devoted to counter space for baking and two nice wall ovens. So uh, during, uh, during the week, let's say, um, I work in the airline industry for a major uh, airline as a pilot. So you I'm make people that. and bread rise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that also gives me a lot of time at home. And uh, when I'm home, I like to, uh, much to mom's chagrin, um, <laughs> bake. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not exactly conducive to dieting. No, but it's delicious. Yes. Um, So during COVID, uh, we found that we had a lot of time on our hands and a lot of time at home. Uh, There was a lot less flying to be done, so they didn't call me quite as often. And uh, I got into making sourdough bread. So I've kind of perfected that over the last year. But uh, in honor today, we'll make make a quick bread, which is scones. And um, I can give you uh, basically the difference between the two. Yeah, Um, that would be great. (laughs) Yeah, traditional yeast breads, when you think of, you know, loaf of bread or 
dinner rolls and things like that are uh, leavened, which means it, it rises. So an unleavened bread would be something like pita or uh, a cracker or you know unleavened, very thin bread that goes along with dinner. And it, it just doesn't rise, so it's a little bit crisper or a lot crisper and you know, not as full of air. But leavening, basically, what, what you're doing is you're introducing carbon dioxide into the bread dough. And we can use um, a, a fungus called yeast, which is naturally occurring. There's Every breath you take is probably 10 yeast spores that you're inhaling in. Not throws you out. But it, it's all around us. It's always all around us. But what we can do is we can harness that natural yeast that's just floating in the air, and we can cultivate it. Uh, and that's what I did last year is I took natural strains of yeast in the air, and I turned them into a very active yeast culture that I keep in my refrigerator. And once a week or so, I take it out and I feed it. <laughs> that and sounds so aggressive. It <laughs> <laughs> is, is I took... Um, probably hundreds of strains of yeast that were, you know, on day one and naturally colonized the flour and, and water mixture that I had. And and I let the yeast essentially ferment. We use yeast for making beer and we use it for wine and any kind of fermentation process. So when yeast eats, it puts off carbon dioxide and alcohol. So that's how we make beer and wine. But we also use that carbon dioxide to uh, permeate the bread dough. And then when you put it in the oven, all the carbon dioxide expands and it makes the bread nice and fluffy. So that takes a while and it's kind of a uh, all-day process. Um, for example, I made sourdough a few days ago, and it was a two-day process. The first day, um, I made the dough and I folded it a number of times to incorporate all that yeast and get everything. Uh, mixed into the dough, and then I let it sit overnight in the refrigerator, baked it the next morning, and it puffed up into a beautiful uh, loaf of sourdough bread. But sourdough is literally water, flour, a little bit of salt, and yeast. That's it. There's there's nothing else in there. It's as simple as you can get. Hmm. But what we're trying to do with the bones today is we're, we're making a quick... So we don't have two days to make the stuff. So we're going to use a artificial leavening agent. And when I say artificial, I'm not yeast. But it doesn't mean that it has to be um, something that's man-made. Uh, you can have actual leavening agent, uh, sodium bicarbonate, which you know as baking soda. So that's a naturally uh, occurring uh, mineral. Uh, it's not the, the name of the mineral. There's a couple of different minerals that have in it. Uh, and it's refined, but it's naturally occurring. Most of it's uh, here in the U.S. and Wyoming. Uh, there's some naturally occurring in California and Colorado, as well as places around the world, um, like uh, Mexico, Turkey, uh, other places in Africa have large deposits of this mineral that is refined to sodium bicarbonate. So when you reach on the shelf for a box of arm and baking soda, it's basically something that's defined from the ground, uh, purified with water, and then dried back out and comes in a box. And it's, you know, it, it's natural, but it works well because what that does is it combines with acidic things like uh, 
of the acidity in milk and other things in your dishes, and it creates that carbon dioxide for you. Um, some recipes, like the recipe we're doing today, have something called baking powder. And all that is, it, it's a mixture of uh, baking soda and uh, something that is acidic um, as a dry ingredient and then uh, a powder to just stabilize it. So when the two of those come in contact with a liquid, they combine chemical reaction forms, the um, carbon dioxide, and you get the leavening that way. That's so really cool. Yeah. Scones are basically like a biscuit. And if you think of an English scone, it's it's more more like a biscuit. Um, it gets a little confusing because the British call it uh, biscuits. <laughs> so it gets a little complicated. But it's basically somewhere between a shortbread uh, and a biscuit, if you will. So scones are a little bit sweet, um, but, you know, sweeter than a biscuit but not as sweet as a cookie or shortbread. So they're somewhere in the middle, and they're really versatile. Um, you can you can make sweet scone, and what I'm making today are blueberry scones. Um, you could make lemon poppy seed, uh, or you could take something like a cranberry or even pieces of rhubarb, if you will, uh, that has the tartness in the bread, and then you put a little bit of granulated on top of it you get the sweet versus the tart and your your tongue has a, a little bit of a holiday <laughs> my tongue's gonna get a vacation before i do is that what i'm hearing <laughs> but you could even make uh, savory stones so let's say you, you cut back on the a little bit and you add some some great ingredients like um rosemary rosemary yeah yeah. But you can put, you know, all kinds of things to, to make it savory uh, versus a sweet one. Mm -hmm. um, or you could even, you know, combine crazy ingredients like little bits of ham or something like that in this, you know, little bits of salty ham. It'd be an interesting so it, little it, lunch snack. Are you, did you just brainstorm one of your meal prepping ideas? No, I just got an idea based on something else from the notes. Uh, which we can get more into later, but basically part of a tea party is savory sandwiches. So what if you took the scones and combined them with sandwiches? Because one of them's ham and mustard. Ooh. And another one's like chicken cress, which is the British version, more or less, of chicken salad. Mm. We can call them scandwiches. Scones, <laughs> <laughs> you cut them in half. You could put your savory ingredients in the middle, but just make sure that you use a savory scone versus a you know, a sweet scone. And I think that would work really well. Um, so let's say you made a savory scone and you put in little bits of ham and cheddar cheese and onion. Mm. Um, you really cool. Or you could uh, put a bunch of potatoes in there, something like that, really bring out the, uh, the savory side. Okay. And ingredients like very sage uh, or brown savory would uh, work, work great. You know, just adding maybe a, a teaspoon of that to your to your basic dough recipe. Mm-hmm. Allie, you looked like you were going to say something. What were you thinking? I uh, Well, I was also going back to the sweet scones being essentially not as savory as a biscuit, 
but not as sweet as a biscuit, depending on what country you're in. (laughs) (laughs) It's somewhere in the middle of a biscuit and a biscuit. (laughs) And that thought got stuck in my head and I couldn't get past it. So what I'm doing right now is I've, I've got a uh, it's about an eight inch disc of dough, stone dough that I made this morning. I went out to our garden or to our orchard, and uh, we've got a bunch of um, blueberry bushes out there. They're gigantic. They're bigger than I am. Ah, right. Think of like a, a six foot to eight foot tall uh, hedge made out of delicious blueberries (laughs) they they have been growing since i've been in what middle school um yeah i think i probably planted the first ones somewhere around um 2000 oh so elementary school so those bushes are about as old as i am and they're gigantic now they've grown with me Aww. And they, they basically went nuts this year. I pruned them really heavily last year, and they like that. But this year has been an exceptional year for them. Good. So uh, I went out, and I, off of one bush, I basically picked in about 10 minutes, I would say a good two-thirds of a gallon. Of Jeez. Blueberries. So I'm in, uh, I'm in heaven because blueberries are probably my favorite Nice. So are you going to be making those uh, into scones? Yes, I am making blueberry scones this morning. Ooh. What I've learned doing some research is that you can take the scone dough and rather than cook it all at once, it freezes nicely. I saw that in the, the recipe. I was like, oh, okay, I might, I might do that. I might have a couple left over and just shove them in the freezer for a quick breakfast. Right. So all you need to do is rather than go through the whole process, you just stick them in a 400 degree oven and voila, you have breakfast in about 25 minutes. <laughs> Boom, scones. size <laughs> <laughs> of the scone you use, um, it'll take somewhere between 16 and, um, and 25 minutes to cook. Okay. Nice. So I think that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to make up half of the scones uh, this morning and I'm going to save the other half in the freezer to pop in the oven whenever the, the idea hits me. Nice. And uh, nice. can you walk us through how you made your dough? Sure. Do um, you want me to give you the, uh, the basic recipe? Yeah, might as well. Okay. Um, basic recipe for scones, uh, and I'll tell you how I modified it because I can't seem to let anything um, that's good. I can't read it. I put my own bent on it. <laughs> the basic ingredients, uh, there's only about seven, seven to nine ingredients for the basic recipe. And uh, let me pull that up. I'll have a moment where I can stick these in the oven. Yeah. And with um, seven little triangles of blueberry um, scone dough that I'm now brushing with heavy cream. And then what I'm going to do is take my coarse sugar, sprinkle it all over top of that. 
And why heavy cream to do this? Not like an egg wash or just water to help it stick? Why heavy cream? Um, the recipe already has heavy cream in it. So it's something that's going to absorb into the dough and evaporate in the oven pretty easily without okay. giving it weird texture. It'll provide some browning. Um, but you could use you could use milk in a pinch, but what I want is something to make the dough stick. Um, excuse me, to make the uh, sugar sprinkles stick to the dough. Mm-hmm. And the heavy cream works well without introducing, you know, different different other flavors or textures or worrying about um, what kind of a crust it's going to create. Okay. All right. So the stove's into the oven right now, 400 degrees, and we're going to set the timer for. They're kind of small. Uh, uh, high wedges that I made, so I'm going to start off and check it at about 15 minutes, and we'll see what that says. Okay. So, all right. Um, oh, wait before I interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the stones are important. You have to take care of them first. Yes, and uh, <laughs> also Julia gets um, distracted easily, and she comes by quite naturally. <laughs> Yes, uh, I have mentioned in our podcast that ADD runs in the family, and uh, here is my number one reason. It's my dad. (laughs) Number one reason, but I've I've taken it to really an art form. You've perfected it. Twist on it. (laughs) You've taken a good thing and given it your own little. (laughs) How did you put it last time? The family joke is: Has anyone seen my coffee? Oh my gosh. It's in the microwave right where I left it three hours ago when I was reheating it <laughs> and then saw a squirrel or something like that and became totally distracted and it was gone for the rest of the day. <laughs> Perfect. There's a thing in our family called object permanence that as soon as it's out of our hand, it does not exist for another three hours. <laughs> so, all right. So we are trying to find... The basic recipe for scones. All right, so basic recipe for scones, as I said, is only about uh, seven to nine ingredients. And you've got, uh, first of all, flour, sugar, uh, baking powder in this, in this recipe. Other recipes might call for cream of tartar or um, baking, uh, baking soda. Uh, eat a little bit of salt for flavor butter and uh, heavy cream and then an egg uh, optional ingredients um, you could use uh, vanilla and I used uh, on this recipe today uh, I basically added vanilla some lemon um, extract the zest of a lemon and about a cup of uh, fresh blueberries that sounds delicious so what I've is a basic blueberry scone with hints of lemon. Um, and then on top of all that, you, you brush it with a little bit of heavy cream and you add coarse sugar. I think coarse sugar is really important because it gives you the texture you want. Regular granulated sugar is just too small a crystal. 
Uh, coarse sugar is is nice. It looks fancy, and it gives you that that crunch when you bite into it that I think is really important. So you've got the the, the light fluffiness of the scone with all the flavors you've got inside, whether they're it's a sweet scone with you know berries, or it's going to be a savory scone with cheese and uh, ham and whatever else you want to put in there. But I have that, a question. Sure. If you're making a savory scone, do you remove the sugar and replace it with something, or do you just take it out? You, uh, when you switch from a, a sweet to a savory, typically you, if you don't take out the sugar, um, and I would not take out all the sugar, uh, I would reduce it by at least half. You want something that starts off more like a traditional biscuit flavor without all that sweetness, because the sweetness gets in the way of savory. And to help bring out the savory, you would add maybe a, a little bit more salt. Um, and so salt and savory work, work well together, whereas, you know, the sugar works better with um, fruit and things like that where you want the sweetness. Would using salted butter in place of unsalted butter help with that? Or would you just go ahead and add a little bit more salt than usual? Uh, here's a little background on salted butter. Uh, what the salt does is it helps preserve the butter. So let's say you have a stick of salted butter in your fridge. It'll last about five months in the fridge. So, um, the butter fat would naturally go bad over time, even in a refrigerator and the salt helps preserve it. We've always used salt as a preserve, uh, you know, for meats and other things. Mm -hmm. So, um, in a recipe that has things that you can't necessarily, um, taste and see how much salt it has. And let's say you've got a, a cake batter and you've got raw eggs in there. You're being careful and you don't want to eat something with raw eggs in it. Sure. We'll, we'll say that we do that. So in something like that, you want to control the amount of salt that's in there a little bit more precisely and because you can't really taste it as you go along because it's got things that really should be cooked prior to eating them. Mm -hmm. So in, the, in a recipe like a cake recipe, a lot of times it'll call for unsalted butter. And so what's the difference? Um, it's about a third of a teaspoon per stick. So if you, let's say you have a recipe that calls for salted butter and all you've got thick of unsalted butter, well, that's easy. Just add a third of a teaspoon of salt and you've got the same thing. Huh. huh. So conversely, I didn't have any unsalted butter. This recipe called for unsalted butter. So what I did is I reduced the amount of salt since it calls for one stick of butter in this recipe. I reduced the amount of salt by about a third of a teaspoon because I already had that third of a teaspoon in the butter. So I didn't want to add extra. Um, that said, I tasted the batter and I thought it needed a little bit more salt. <laughs> 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 cooked or not cooked. <laughs> That's how, say i love that you say that butter can last up to five months as if any butter in my fridge is going to make it more than one month <laughs> there you go uh, unsalted butter um the guidelines say about three months 
So you're getting the extra two months of storage potential from that third of a teaspoon of salt. So that's how it works. It's for the people so like me that almost never use butter because I forget it exists. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't cook with butter very often. So I'm like, oh, I guess that'll just stay in my fridge forever. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I will say if the recipe calls for butter or the recipe calls for margarine or the recipe calls for um, Crisco, you know, something like that, go ahead and use what it calls for. Um, there's differences in the way things melt and the way they combine with other ingredients that if you can avoid substituting, I would. Okay. Um, and the salted versus unsalted, just realize the difference is a third of a teaspoon. No big deal. I can compensate for that. But I wouldn't necessarily want to use Crisco or Bard or something like that recipe calling for butter. It's just, it's not the same especially when you get into like French cooking or something like that. And you really want the taste of the butter. And you often add a little bit of butter at the end for to finish the, uh, the dish and you know, get that little bit of uh, fat on your tongue that helps the, the whole taste experience. So what I'm but. hearing is you butters stick to the recipe or else. You go dick. Yes, a butter stick. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently ADD, ADD is not the only thing that goes in our family. It's it's a love of dad jokes. And, dad <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, Allie. <laughs> oh, no, I'm here for it. <laughs> Thank you, Dad, for my amazing sense of humor. <laughs> uh, Mom might disagree with your definition of amazing. <laughs> Exceptional might be a more diplomatic word. Exceptional. <laughs> sure. So uh, no, I am checking on the scones as we speak. They uh, have puffed up a little bit and they spread out a little bit. So um, that could be a factor of maybe it needed a little bit more flour to compensate for the juice and the um, blueberries. Or maybe I could have chilled it a little bit better. Um, but a thicker dough will not spread out as much, and a chilled dough won't spread out as much. So uh, when we talk about the recipe today, um, one of the important steps is chilling the dough. Once we get the ingredients, what do I do with them? Okay. So uh, once you get the basic ingredients, which we talked about were um, flour, sugar, um, baking powder, salt. Um, what you're doing is you're mixing those together in one bowl. And anyone who doesn't do a lot of baking um, probably isn't aware of this, but you want to keep the dry ingredients and the wet ingredients separate um, until, until you're ready to combine them. And part of the reasoning is that leavening, um, baking powder, the baking soda, the cream of tartar, whatever you're using as leavening, uh, starts reacting as soon as it gets wet. So you're mixing the flour uh, and the baking soda with your other dried ingredients, set it aside, and then mix your wet ingredients. And then when you combine them at the last minute, uh, fairly soon after you combine them is when you put them in the cake pan or um, cut them up into scones or whatever you do in preparation for cooking them. 
because you don't want to have them sitting together and having all that carbon dioxide that you really need basically just bubbling away in the batter while you're sitting there. And, you know, what you want is you want it to be cracked in the dough or the batter and make it rise. And the best way to think of it is uh, a pancake. A pancake is another type of quick bread. And it typically has baking powder or baking soda in it. And that reacts with the milk uh, and creates all those little bubbles that you see in the pancake when you cook it. But if you combined all your ingredients and you let them just sit there for a few hours, you would uh, and then try to cook, you'd end up with a very flat pancake because all that carbon dioxide reacted uh, or all those things reacted to make the carbon dioxide. Then they just went away. So the idea is uh, when you're cooking it, you're basically browning the outside of the batter or whatever you're cooking. And you're basically kind of creating a wall that sort of wraps the carbon dioxide inside of your dough as it's cooking. So you get this expansion of carbon dioxide and it makes the dough rise in the oven or rise on the fillet when you're making pancakes um, and helps make it light and fluffy. Otherwise, you'd have a very hard, tough, chewy pancake and that's not what you want. Yum. Uh, Exercise with breakfast. Chewing. (laughs) A lot of times what I'll do is I'll add a little bit of extra baking uh, powder to my pancake mix and whisk that together before adding my uh, wet ingredients. And I find that that makes it a little bit bitter. So I might add another teaspoon or so of sugar to kind of counteract that. So that's uh, one way to, to... compensate if you want an extra fluffy pancake <laughs> all right all right we've got our basic ingredients we've, <laughs> uh, we've our flour our sugar our baking soda and our salt and we've whisked that together in one bowl then in a separate bowl what we're going to do is uh, whisk together an egg uh, milk or excuse me in this case uh, heavy cream or this recipe called for um and then your optional ingredients like vanilla, um, or I use some some lemon extract and uh, added a little bit of cinnamon also to round out the flavor. Mm-hmm. But here's kind of a cool thing about this recipe: since we're trying to keep everything as as cold as possible before we put it in the oven so that it doesn't spread out too much, um, what we do is we take a stick of butter and we actually stick it in the freezer. And I put it in the freezer for about half an hour or so um, prior to making this. And then after I had all the ingredients whisked together in those two separate bowls, um, I took a essentially a cheese grater, you know, a box grater. Mm -hmm. And I took that stick of butter and I grated it using a... uh, the uh, one of the smaller graters over dry ingredients. So I had all these little curly cues of butter in that recipe. That's great. So, <laughs> then I take a, a pastry cutter and I blend those together. So all the dry ingredients and the butter are blended together. Um, so the butter is basically incorporated throughout the flour. What that does is it. Uh, make sure that everything's distributed in dough, and the the butter when it melts creates these little 
little pockets of uh, little pockets of uh, water vapor, and it helps give that dough a uh, that light, airy feel uh, that you want when you bite into it. Ooh, okay. These, these bones are looking really good. <laughs> uh, I cook them for 15 minutes and um, they're getting brown along the edges and I'm going to give them about another two minutes and I think that's going to be plenty. All right, so the basic recipe for the scones is uh, two cups of all-purpose flour. Um, and what I actually did is I used a scale and I weighed it out. So um, that's one way of doing it. And, uh, let me find that um, that list of ingredients, and I'll give you the the weights. Also, that might help if they want to um, want to do it that way. I want to do it that way because we just got a kitchen scale, and I'm very excited to use it. And uh, the reason I bought the kitchen scale is because I bought our friend a kitchen scale for her wedding registry. I was like, dang, I really want one, so uh, I bought one. <laughs> I have a kitchen scale I've never used for food, so this will be the first time. <laughs> what have you used it for? For weighing crochet items for how much it costs to ship them. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh-huh. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, the scones are coming out of the oven. And if you need a picture of them, I can send you a picture of them. Yes, please. Okay. I want you to take the best pictures you can because they're going to end up on our Instagram and Facebook. I want to make a whole Mr. Jeff Scones recipe card. Part-time baker, part full-time pilot, always rising above expectations. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Those scones are like a huge part of my childhood just because they're so freaking good. I loved it when you made scones. Well, I haven't made them in a long time. It's probably because you're not here to ask for them. Probably. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just might not make it. <laughs> if I were a doctor, I would say, sorry, scone, it looks terminal. <laughs> <laughs> for the basic batter and this is something that we can modify to do all different kinds all right so two cups or 250 grams of all-purpose flour so you could use uh, you could spoon it in and level it uh, and then maybe just a little bit extra for your work surface when you turn go out onto the counter um, but what i did is i used a, a scale and measured 250 grams uh, to that, I added half a cup, which is 100 grams of granulated sugar. And normally I would add a half teaspoon of salt. In this case, I was using butter that already had some salt, uh, had already had about a third of a teaspoon in there. So I added uh, maybe another quarter teaspoon to try to approximate half a teaspoon. Uh, to that, I added uh, two and a half teaspoons of baking powder. Um, so I had those first four dry ingredients, and I took a whisk, and I just mixed those all together really well in a bowl. And then 
um, what you do is you take a stick, uh, a half a cup, which is one stick or 115 grams of unsalted um, butter that's been frozen for you know half an hour or so. Uh, or if you use salted butter, just cut back on the the, uh, the salt previously uh, by a third of a teaspoon. And I took that stick of butter in a box grater and I grated it onto a paper plate uh, so it was nice and stable. And what you have to do is you have to peel back the wax paper on the butter and be really, really careful when you're grating this. Otherwise, you're adding an optional ingredient, part of your fingers. Ew. <laughs> I don't think they listed famous ladyfinger scones. <laughs> as you as you get down to the nub of the butter, it's so difficult <laughs> to to get that last little bit in that you may want to just you know the last uh, tablespoon of butter. You may just want to cut up very finely with a knife and then throw that in there so that you're not trying to use this uh, box grater for the last little bit and end up uh, grating not only the wax paper. Uh, butter wrapper, but also your fingers. So now what you've got is a bowl of dry ingredients and this mound of little butter curly cues. So you, at this point, what you want to do is mix those two together really well. You could use a food processor with, um, uh, with a, you know, just a unsharp blade to mix it all in together. But what that does is it introduces a lot of heat. And you really don't want that. You froze the butter to avoid the heat. So the best thing to do is to use a, uh, a pastry cutter, which is uh, like a half moon shaped um, thing you hold in your hand with uh, about six different wires. Uh, or in a pinch, if you don't have something like that, just use a couple of forks. And what you're doing is you're cutting that butter into the flour until it's evenly distributed throughout the flour. Um, and basically, you've got these little, uh, just minuscule, quarter of a pea-sized chunks of butter, you know, throughout, mixed throughout the uh, the flour. So even doing that, you introduce a fair amount of heat. So what I would do is I'd take those dry ingredients with the butter now and stick them back in the freezer if you have room or in the refrigerator uh, while you're doing the next step. So the next step is going to be take a half a cup, which is 120 milliliters of uh, heavy cream or buttermilk, and you're going to need an extra two tablespoons to brush the top the uh, scones when we're done. Uh, you'll take one large egg and then one and a half teaspoons of pure vanilla extract. Um, today I was making lemon, um, adding lemon and, and blueberry to my scones. So what I did is I did one teaspoon of vanilla extract and added a half a teaspoon of lemon extract for a little bit of extra lemon flavor. Um, and I also added the zest. I have a little hand zester uh, of one lemon. So that ended up being a, a good tablespoon, um, maybe maybe tablespoon and a quart, a third of lemon zest, uh, which translates uh, tablespoons, three teaspoons. So that would be four teaspoons of lemon zest. But I just zested the whole lemon. And maybe it's too much, maybe it, it's not. I'll, I'll know shortly. So, <laughs> 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 um, you know, ordinarily you do like one and a half teaspoons of pure vanilla extract, and that's optional. Um, and then you can add something else. Um, today, um, 
well, the recipe calls for one to one and a half cups of some sort of an add-in, like chocolate chips. And when I use chocolate chips, uh, I like to use the mini chocolate chips because they spread out more evenly throughout the, the, uh, the dough and you get a uh, more of a chocolatey uh, taste in every bite rather than big chunks of, uh, of chocolate. Mm-hmm. So that's just my, but um, I did one cup of fresh blueberries. So any type of berry, you could use, you know, strawberries that are cut up into small pieces um, or, you know, whatever your preference is for a berry. It could be blackberry or raspberry or, or whatever. Um, you can add nuts or some other kind of fruit. Let's say uh, you want to do a banana, um, banana scones. Yeah, if I did banana scones, I would use um, probably for that basic recipe, I would go with at least half to a whole banana, cut it to very small pieces. And uh, rather than use all uh, white sugar, I would probably substitute at least half of that with brown sugar because I want some of that molasses paste in with bananas. You know, like I would banana bread. Yeah. Um, and then realize that with all the banana in there, it's going to be a fairly uh, soft dough. So when you're handling it, you might have to add, you know, another quarter of a cup of flour or something like that. But as you're handling it, you'll know if it's too sticky. If it's too sticky, you just add a little bit of um, a little bit of flour. And if you find that the ingredients are too dry and they're not coming together. You know, add another tablespoon or so of heavy cream. You know, so what you're trying to do is, is just get a dough that you can work with. Um, so what you've done is you've taken all of these uh, wet ingredients and you blend those together, you know, whisk them together. And now you're ready to combine the, the dry ingredients from earlier and the wet ingredients. So you take the, uh, the dry ingredients back out of the fridge and you... Um, basically drizzle the wet ingredients over top of it while you're mixing it together, you know, roughly with a, a fork. And what you don't want to do is over mix a quick dough. And the reason is, is um, going back to a little bit of science. When I make the sourdough, what you're doing is you're creating long strands of gluten. And gluten is something that's naturally occurring in the flour. But what, when you work a dough, let's say you knead a dough, um, or in the case of the sourdough, you're folding it multiple times. You're creating this lattice work of gluten that, that basically traps the carbon dioxide. And what that does is it allows the carbon dioxide to get stuck in the dough or the sourdough. And that, that works for the sourdough and um, because it's taking place over a couple of days, the gluten de- relaxes and, you know, it doesn't create a real problem. What you don't want to do is overwork any kind of a dough that has baking powder, baking soda, uh, cream of tartar in there as a leavening agent because that makes it tough. You want something that's light and fluffy. And so the egg is providing the, um, I guess, kind of the framework uh, of your dough here. And you don't want to put its long, hard gluten strands that are going to make it tough and chewy. 
So in this case, uh, anytime you're working at quick dough, you just mix it enough to get the dry ingredients mixed in and moistened with everything else. Uh, so be careful not to overwork it because you'll end up with tough dough. Okay. So what you're doing is uh, you take those wet ingredients and you drizzle them over the dry ingredients, mix mix them up a little bit with a fork, drizzle some more of it, mix it up with a fork. And, um, you know, you don't have to be overly concerned that it's totally homogenous and, and completely mixed. You'll you'll sort of do that on the counter. But once your dough is, is just basically incorporated, um, lightly flour your counter or your work surface and turn the dough out onto that. And what I do is um, basically form it into a rough bubble, um, handle it you know, just a little bit to make sure everything's evenly incorporated. So you're just taking this rough ball shape and then mushing it out to about an eight inch to 10 inch diameter um, circle. And what we're, what we're trying to do is, is have something that's about uh, let's say three quarters of an inch thick uh, to maybe an inch thick. And that's a good, good uh, thickness for your um, stone dough. And so I take this big circle and I cut it into about eight pieces. So you have these eight little um, pie shaped wedges. And then um, what I do is I separate those and put them on. To, I like using a, uh, a silicone baking mat when I'm, when I'm cooking um but what i do is i i initially put that dough onto a piece of parchment paper uh, you know formed by little wedges and then uh transferred those onto a silicone baking mat and um once it was on the mat i brushed the top of it with that those uh, two tablespoons of uh, uh cream that i reserved and that gave me something that i could sprinkle the uh, the coarse sugar on top of so um, on your baking mat, you, you've, you've got the top of them wetted with the, uh, the cream, sprinkled with sugar, and then you pop it in a 400-degree preheated oven um, for between 15 and 25 minutes. But you're looking for uh, evenly browned, um, you know, make sure you don't burn them, but you should have uh, light browning um, throughout the stone. And that makes sure that it's at least cooked through, um, but you don't want to burn the bottoms or, uh, or the tops. Okay. So I, what I like to use is a uh, double-sided, uh, excuse me, a double thickness baking sheet. So it has like a layer of air, and that helps keep the bottom of my cookies and, and things like that from, uh, from burning, even in a hot oven. So the, uh, the scones look to be pretty good. I let them rest for about, um, I guess it's been about 10 minutes. And we'll do the taste test and see how they turned out. Awesome. Is that the scone is light and airy. So that's perfect. That tells me I did not overwork the dough. I'm, I'm getting a lot of the lemon flavor that uh, I was after. So the zest of a whole lemon, um, especially if you're doing like a lemon poppy seed, say, uh, scone. I, I think the lemon works. Um, if you don't want as much lemon flavor, you could you could avoid the lemon extract totally or cut back on the lemon zest a little bit. But I like uh, I like the lemon zest in there. You've got the uh, the chunks of berries, and then you've got that 
that crackle when you bite into the uh, the coarse sugar on top of it. The uh, the bottoms are not overcooked. Um, the only only thing I would say is the the scones um, did spread out a little bit, which is not horrible. But if I wanted to keep them more pie shaped and less sloppy looking, if you will. Um, maybe you leave them in the freezer or refrigerator for about half an hour or so prior to cooking them and make sure that your oven is uh, all the way preheated to 400 degrees before you stick them in there. Okay. Uh, I'll call it a success. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling much more confident now to go make ours. I'm very excited to see how it goes. Yeah, thank you so much for all the good information. You have the uh, the website for the information I sent you? Yes, I do, and uh, I will link it for all of our listeners. Okay, yeah. Uh, Sally's Baking Edition, uh, dot com is the uh, is the website. She has got about 15 different variations and goes into a, a really good discussion on how to modify the basic recipe. Like if I want to make a savory... You know, how much sugar do I want to cut back? Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of, and has links to a number of different um, scone variations on the scone recipe. And one of the things that, that caught my interest was a uh, an apple uh, scone. So uh, the scone had little chunks of apple. And then afterwards, um, rather than put like coarse sugar on top of it, but she could do that also. She took uh, some pure maple syrup, combined it with a little bit of butter and some confectioner sugar, and basically made a maple uh, drizzle to put over top of those. And I think that would be excellent. That sounds really Uh, good. Yeah, another variation on the scone was um, rather than cut them into triangles, she took bananas and uh, added or substitute, I should say, the, uh, the brown sugar for some of the white sugar and made them as a drop scone. So almost like a, a drop cookie, but a little bit more biscuity, if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was a good thing. And also has some suggestions for the uh, the savory scones, like the, uh, the ham and the cheese and the onion. Um, so I think that's a, a great place to, uh, to start and a really... A uh, really good basic um, recipe to start out with, and then don't be afraid to to uh, to try your own uh, modifications. Uh, like I say, I almost never leave anything alone. Just because <laughs> somebody else did uh, doesn't mean that's the way I'm going to do it. I have to reinvent the wheel every time. So you know, today's recipe. I added the blueberries, but I also substituted some of the vanilla for lemon extract, and I added the zest of a lemon, and I also added a little bit of cinnamon. Um, I added about a teaspoon of cinnamon, and uh, I think that was helpful, but maybe in the future I would add a little bit more to get more, uh, because the lemon is so strong, uh, maybe I would go with uh, a teaspoon and a half to two teaspoons of uh, cinnamon to really get that taste to come out. So uh, don't be afraid to uh, to experiment. And uh, the worst thing that'll happen is it'll be um, delicious, but not quite as delicious as, as something else. So, you know, every time I make notes in the margins of the recipe and I say, okay, next time, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> All right. Nothing ever stays the same. 
So but, anyway, have fun with your tea party. That sounds like it'll be a grand time. And uh, thank you. let me know what kind of scones you end up making. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited to actually try to make these now because now I'm starving and ready. Yeah. And you got the rest of, you got the uh, pictures I sent you of the scones. So just know that one of them already did not make it. Oh my gosh, they're beautiful. Hold on, I want to get Allie's reaction while she's still on the phone with us. Um, because holy crap, these are stunning. This looks like it came out of a book. <laughs> you did a really good well, job with these. Well, I look at them and I'm, I'm a little critical because I think they, they spread out a little bit much. But I got to tell you, they taste darn good. <laughs> they look fabulous. And well, we will much. be posting those on the Instagram and Facebook for our listeners because uh, they need to see this iFood treat as well. It's just <laughs> so good. So, Allie, I sent it to you for you to look at. Oh, right. Your phone is in your face. Yeah, let me disassemble my headset one moment. <laughs> I'm also going to be getting a picture of Allie's headset for the Instagram. Oh my god, those are beautiful. I'm really excited to post the picture of these scones and then two pictures of our scones and see if they compare. I think they're going to be not as pretty and it's going to be funny. Okay, so I would say um, to learn from the mistakes that I made today, uh, just make sure you refrigerate your uh, dough for uh, a good amount of time before you bake off and make sure that the oven is, is preheated. And then when you're handling dough, if you find it a little bit sloppy, uh, a little bit too sticky, don't be afraid to add, you know, a little bit of flour just so you can uh, work with it. But again, you know, okay. the, the less you work with it, the lighter and fluffier they will be um so try not to overwork them but the uh, i think the secret is making sure that they're nice and cold when they go into the oven okay cool and then uh, then we can compare notes yeah yes we'll definitely do a follow-up with you and let you critique our our scones our scones <laughs> our scones and let me know how the tea went and if uh, my grandkitty was well behaved. Well, your grandkitty is currently loafed on my laptop. I don't. <laughs> He's just all up in my business right now. He's very cute, though. <laughs> He's being a good kitty. He's just chilling on my desk. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't believe that almost all of these berries came off of one bush. That's insane. I did. Yeah. I've been picking on this bush for quite a while. So that was just when I took off of it this morning. And I've got so many bushes out there that are loaded down that I won't even, you know, get a chance to do all the picking. So I'm hoping to make some, uh, some jam and I've got uh, a number of berries in the freezer already, uh, just because we can't pick all of the berries at once. So I've been, Picking and freezing, picking and freezing. Mm -hmm. But 
we'll let you know how the uh, how the jam turns out when uh, when that's done. Yeah, yeah. I eagerly await your, the results of your your tea party. <laughs> Thank you for all the great advice mm-hmm. and for you sharing so your welcome. recipe hacks. <laughs> sure thing. Anytime. <laughs> Enjoy your jam sesh. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dad. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Mr. Jeff. Thank you. Our pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Our pleasure. (laughs) All right. Bye. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Mr. Jeff. He's so cute. I really enjoyed that. Same. I think I even texted you while I was editing, which psst, this version of me is post-editing that he's adorable. So. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, thank you guys so much for sticking around and learning a lot about scones and baking. As always, all of our sources will be in the episode notes, that being the research sources and the recipe. And of course, if you're looking for our podcast, you can find us at webrewgood dot podbean dot com that's we brew good dot podbean dot com or on spotify apple podcast and google podcast you can also find us on our facebook instagram and tiktok pages at we brew good just in case you didn't get enough of us obviously obviously yeah who wouldn't want more <laughs> You can also send us an email at webrewgood at gmail.com. And um, I guess you should tell the guinea pigs if if you feel like it. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Nudge a little harder. Accidentally elbows. Please. Winks intensely. <laughs> gets the eyebrow involved. <laughs> anyway. Stay, stay brutal. brutal. <laughs> And we're done here.